Willkommen zu Monix Pathcast. Ich heiße Matthew Dawkins. Hallo, Co-Moderatorin Dixie Cochran. Je m'appelle Dixie. Ah, ja, das ist gut. Uh, guten Tag, Co-Moderator Eddie Webb. Hi. Ah, das ist nicht so gut. <lacht> Uh, hello, welcome to anyone who was cruelly mistaken into thinking this was the Deutsche version of the Onyx podcast. We fooled you. We uh, That was a trick. But if you're still with us 40 seconds in... <laughs> I actually love that Eddie went for English because we followed the pattern of the opening song for the musical Cabaret. Oh, really? <laughs> welcome and bienvenue. Welcome. So, yeah. Worked yeah. out. It was Dixie's plan all along to fit a musical into an episode. Always. Yeah. Always. Every episode. <laughs> well, this is an unusual episode because uh, we're going to be doing an interview with a couple of community content creators. And the reason it's unusual is because these creators aren't individuals any of us have ever worked with before in any mm-hmm. sort of direct capacity. Uh, mm-hmm. We we decided we would interview the two of them because it's, uh, well, we're coming up to the release of a product for Scarred Lands and the Slurisian Vault called the Frostlands of Fenrilic, which is a massive campaign setting that we are basically inviting uh, community content creators to develop Uh, You have the entire range of this continent to expand and make your own, populate with villages, monsters, dungeons, and so on. And uh, Jeremy and Chris, our guests, are going to be talking a little about what they've done for Fenrilic, as well as for other community content, such as DM skills and their love of Skylands, role-playing games in general. And we'll ask them other questions, such as if they could create community content for any uh, role-playing game, what would they do, that sort of thing. So it's going to be a bit of a getting-to-know-you. To, because we don't mm-hmm. have that uh, direct relationship with them that we have with some of our other guests, but I think it will be a lot of fun. I won't be there. Oh, that's true. Dixie's not going to be there, and you know, Eddie, that's going to make this uh, this interview horribly masculine. Yeah, you know, four guys <laughs> in an interview. Um, yeah, we actually technically never had that, I don't think. Yeah, I feel like we should be sort of whipping towels at each other like Top Gun. Um, <laughs> Playing shirtless volleyball? Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, will you be my goose, Eddie? Uh, I, there, there is no good way to take that statement. Well, no, uh, it, you it, could be a horrible goose. I could be a hor- I guess I'll be a horrible goose. Oh. No, that, that's, you, that's you, Dixie. You're the horrible goose. Oh, right. That's, that's why we are locking you in the secret chest. I, I was going to ask. We usually put Eddie in like a closet or a box. Mm. We, we, we toss you into the sea. We're not around. Yeah. Where? What do we do with the Dixie? Yeah, you, I think we... Yeah, the secret chest. I like to think that we, in our uh, mansion with the portrait of Mrs. Eisenhower, um, we have, you know, you know, there, there's always those sort of Victorian era dramas where uh, there's a pair of children running around the massive Victorian house. They're playing hide and seek. One of them crawls into a secret chest. It closes over them, clasps shut, and they're never found until they then go on to haunt the house. That's that's, that's a very hiding. old urban legend. That's pretty great. Yeah, but that's your hiding place. So let's okay. hope we come back to open it. Yes, please please open the box after you're done. <laughs> Maybe poke poke an air hole in it. Oh, oh. air holes. Oh, I see how it is. Yeah, there's no air holes in the sea, Dixie. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how to swim. You can stay above water. For an hour? <laughs> I mean, yeah? Yeah. Well, all right. You get a keyhole you can breathe through. Won't okay. Get up. All right. All right. So, yeah, without further ado, let's get into this interview. Welcome back, everybody, from the fantastic intro. Uh, we are here with one of our guests, uh, Mr. Jeremy Hochhalter. 
Uh, Jeremy, Ooh. hello. How are you doing? Good. How about yourself? I'm I'm doing all right. You know, the it's raining outside. Uh, the world is on fire. But I personally, <laughs> it's raining in England. I'm shocked. Weird. Yes, and yet on fire. It's not raining enough. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's literally on fire just a few miles from my house. So, <laughs> oh yeah, ah, you're wow. in, you're in that part of America. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the inferno part. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm very sorry to hear that, and I do hope that the uh, burning clears up soon. Me uh, too. Yeah. Thanks. Now, that sounds like something a doctor would probably say. I was about to say. <laughs> Raise some ointment. Unfortunately, there hasn't been cream for this, so... Yeah. <laughs> Not yet, sadly. But, uh, yes, um, we are here with one of our guests. Unfortunately, the other one couldn't make it uh, in time, and that's fine. Uh, hopefully, we'll get a chance to interview him again, that's someone else. So that means the spotlight... Uh, for not only improvisation, but also innovation, amusement, and entertainment is on you entirely, Jeremy, because Eddie and I are not entertaining. We... I apologize no, no. in advance. <laughs> well, You've done our time, we, we, so it's your turn now. Yeah, we tend to handle these interviews in a very stoic fashion. It's just questions and answers, <laughs> questions and answers. No, no tangents, no fripperies. Uh, no but... downtime for None thinking about true. the answer. Gotcha. <laughs> right. uh, so by way of introduction to the audience uh, Jeremy is an author on the upcoming Frostlands of Fenrilic for Scarlands. Uh he's a creator on the DMs Guild which is the, undoubtedly the largest role playing game community content program out there I, I mean I would almost say it's ascended to a level beyond anything else Uh he is a creator for the Slurician Vault, of course, because that is where Fenrilic will show up. And he also self-publishes through Wanderer's Haven Publications, so he stays busy. Uh, but I'm interested in finding out a little about this Jeremy character. Uh, and, uh, well, first of all, uh, Jeremy... Tell me, it's the age-old question we ask every single guest, but how did you get into this business we call role-playing? Well, I'm, I'm really surprised. It sounds like you've done your homework. I kind of want to know how you think I got into it, but instead I will just go ahead. I'm the one who asks the questions. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've been gaming for most of my life. Uh, when I was eight, I even got the book out because I didn't know if there would be video for this or not. So... If anyone remembers or is old enough to remember the advanced D&D monster manual, it has the really terrible but awesome art on the cover of the red dragon with the centaur and the unicorn. And then there's like the yes. cut scene below it has the troll and the, the uh, owlbear and the roper. Um, a friend of mine gave his copy to me. Uh, he wasn't really into it, although I did end up roping him into playing games for years after that. <laughs> But it was it was seriously a, an instant love affair with uh, the concept of gaming and monsters. Uh, I um, I think my main love for D anD D is is the monsters. Um, I've done stuff with Kabul Press and all of their fifth edition uh, monster manuals that they've released, which has been amazing. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. well, it's it's funny. <laughs> no, it's funny you should get in through the monsters. I know when I was small, uh, my first introduction to, I guess, fantasy or mythology was was Greek mythology. Yeah, my, my dad bought me a big illustrated The Odyssey. Uh, yeah. From mm -hmm when he went away trucking somewhere. And similarly, my son, who is only four years old, has finally started paying attention to the vast array of books that I have in my uh, study. But he's only I mean, interested finally. in... Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, he should have started <laughs> looking into these when he was two or three. Uh, but, <sighs> well, Slacker. as in he... I think I think he just thought it was part of the scenery until he realized, oh, I can actually pull these. These are like my books. I can pull them right. off the shelf. Now there are um, some I'm going to need to move a bit higher up, like cult. But <laughs> I think um, wait till he's six for cult at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. at least six. Uh, but he's really interested, like you say, in in the monster manuals and yeah. uh, Sandy Peterson's um, guide to. I think it's. 
He's got uh, yeah, he's got a Cthulhu bestiary that is yeah. That he his name is on as if he was the investigator discovering them. But he loves all of those. Um, that's awesome. So so that's how you got into it. You got into it through the monsters. And what were the? Here's a question we never ask. What were the first three role playing games you played? Oh hmm. Well, various editions of D anD D, but I guess I can't really. Say well, that, that, that rolls into one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll just mush that all into one. Um, I feel like I did riffs at some point. Like, I know I did riffs, so I'm just saying, like, early in but my you didn't gaming. Uh, no, I don't <laughs> believe I inhaled on that one. Okay. Uh, I did inhale pretty deeply on Shadowrun, but I think that was post uh, another game. Let's see, I think I, I think I did World of Darkness stuff somewhere hmm. in the beginning there. Um, this was, you know, years I did for just for years and years, I just did D and D. Um, but then that like curiosity and of course their, their monster books and art. (laughs) If I, if a game has good art, I'm always sucked in. So I feel like the first three that I did were probably vampire D and D and, and riffs. Okay. And, and, and skipping ahead then. Uh, so now you're working on well, not only a lot of D and D content, but specifically uh, Scarred Lands content, yeah, which is one of the reasons you're here, but not the only reason you're here. <laughs> and when were you introduced to the Scarred Lands campaign setting? So I'm going to sound like a broken record when I say this. Um, when <laughs> Third Edition came out, yeah. uh, the player's guide and the DM guide came out. You know, I think within a month of each other, something like that. But there were no monster manuals yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I went to my gaming store one day, and there was this awesome looking. I mean, back then the covers didn't have monsters on them, and like for that that edition, they were like these. Um, there was always like the emblem in the center and like, mm. the covers were usually like leather looking or something like that. And I went in and mm-hmm. there was this fur looking cover with this like dark emblem on it, on it and said creature collection. And I was like, what is that? That's, I didn't know about this book. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize this was coming out. And that was right when the, the OGL had been announced, the open gaming license. And mm-hmm. I had been really interested in that because at that time I was developing uh, it was kind of our homebrew world for the, the group that I was playing with. And I was really interested in how this OGL thing worked. And so I bought the creature compendium or the creature collection, which is the first uh, Scarred Lands book to come out. And it wasn't, it wasn't uh, advertised as that. It wasn't like, here's a new setting. It was like, here are some monsters. And I'll be honest, I think it was an ingenious way for them to market it. I don't know if that was mm-hmm. the point. But when they came out with the monster manual, it was like, here's something you can throw into anything, but we're going to start working in our, our own lore. And it just snowballed from there. Every time a new uh, monster manual came out from them, you know, their creature collections, I picked it up. The revised one came out. Um, Then they started coming out with uh, world specific stuff. Um, Yeah. Like the savage bestiary, which. I think that yeah. ties into Tamana, doesn't it? Divine defeated, um, all yeah. these things that were vi- very much more lore specific to the Scarred Lands. Um, I can't even remember the first time I I remember hearing the name Scarred Lands. I, I don't recall, but it just all like snowballed into this thing that I've just never really gotten out of. And I can't even tell you how many times in our homebrew world something from the Scarred Lands showed up there to wreak havoc. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's, that's excellent. Um, again, similar story for me. Uh, I, I remember picking the creature creature collection up for pretty much the same reason you did. Yeah. Uh, there was no monster manual, so it filled a interesting gap in the market. And after then, the world of Skarn, it really just came alive for me and kind of sat there in the top tier of my favorite Dungeons and Dragons settings where it's uh, occupied that space ever since. Nice. Nice. So, so what specifically then? As you're a creator for the DMs Guild, let's let's talk about some of the products you've created there before we get to the Slurician Vault. Uh, you've so I assume you um, you you write these books solo uh, a lot of the time, or do you prefer working as a team? And what products have you worked on? Okay, so. Um... 
when they announced the dm's guild i kind of jumped in right away because there were I, I mean it opened up the the opportunity to work on licensed product which was amazing uh the the idea of community con community created content um was outside the ogl you know you couldn't write for forgotten realms you couldn't write for scarred lands you couldn't write for ravenloft and mm. so when they announced it i was giddy <laughs> i think <laughs> giddy is a really good word for it and I tried to like think of all of the things that everyone else was going to write so I could write something else. Uh, that was pretty hit or miss. Um, and I started working on Caratour stuff, to be honest, because I always liked the setting. Um, not necessarily, there, there's a whole bunch of like political stuff that I, I'm trying to avoid with uh, um, cultural appropriation as far as the Oriental Adventure book goes. Yeah, but good, good choice. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but they had some great monsters. The lands themselves were awesome. And so I, I jumped in doing that. And within, uh, it was a couple of weeks that I started working on conversions. Um, I got a message from Robert Aducci. I don't know if you know who that is. Uh, he was really in a, he was really active in the uh, Adventures League mm -hmm. um, on the, 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 the organization side of things. And he was like, I have a writing opportunity for you. And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's when the, at that time it was called the convention, convention creation content. It's been a while, um, but they were offering people the chance to write for conventions using, you know, Forgotten Realms at the time. Yeah. And so I jumped on that. And that is the bulk of what I've written and published successfully on uh, DMs Guild. Um, it ate up a lot of time that I was going to spend writing other things, uh, which was fine. <laughs> it was a lot of fun stuff. And after publishing, I think I have 15 games up at this time. Oh, wow. Something like that, that all nice. you know, got played at conventions. Uh, my first three were at, um, oh, I just forgot the convention's name. Origins. Uh, the first three premiered at Origins, um, which was astounding. I didn't get to go in person. That would have been awesome. But for, for the first three to get played there, I was super stoked and happy. Um, and... After that, I just kind of um, floated along for a while, writing writing the AL stuff. And then I don't want to say I got bored with it, but I did. <laughs> um, I really wanted to, to head off and and do things for either myself, you know, writing Forgotten Realms stuff for myself, which I have a bunch of half done projects that I'm going to end up getting up here soon. Um, but then I ended up seeing the Slurishan vault open and Travis Legg, the the line developer for Scarred Lands, and I, I've been playing on his Monday uh, actual play for Scarred Lands. And Ooh. it it's all been downhill from there or uphill or I don't know how you want to say it. It's all been a journey since then, uh, <laughs> working on various projects over there. <laughs> well, so... I've got a question specifically, I guess, relating to the the logistics of community content because I think mm -hmm. a lot of people who a lot of a lot of role players would love to, especially GMs, would love to put their ideas down on paper or type it up and release it to the world. But I think mm -hmm. a lot of people get daunted by the idea of art and layout and the costs involved, that kind of thing. So yeah. how is how have you managed that side of it? I will say that art has been the number one enemy of me ever getting things done. Um, a lot of the times, you know, I'm a big stickler for, I want art to look like what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, which can be difficult because if I make, you know, some kind of dragonfly looking person or whatever, there's not really stock art out there necessarily for that. Um, but stock art has been the number one saving grace, um, both on DMs Guild, Drive Through RPG. If you go on there and you search for stock art, or you can click over under what kind of thing you want to search for, and they have like a publisher resources, and uh, you can select stock art specifically, and it'll bring it up. And there are, I don't know how many, but several at least um, stock artists that are 
pumping out content. And I think they've really done a good job. If you are aiming to do things that are, for example, lining up with uh, the current Watsi book that's coming out, or uh, sometimes they will do things that are just completely out there. So as long as you're okay with taking those things and then making your own story around it, those mm. things are amazing. They're usually super cheap comparatively. Um, even things that are like $50 for a full page or $100 for a full page uh, that may sound expensive and depending on your budget it can be but really to have like a full page piece of art done can be hundreds and hundreds of dollars if not thousands so i mean it really depends on the artist and what you're using it for yeah. um stock art is definitely a saving grace there's also sites out there uh adobe has a a wonderful stock art um which i end up seeing things show up from there all the time on drive through rpg and, and dm's guild did that answer the question? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I would say it did. I mean, um, it's part of the reason that the Slurician Vault has it has art packs up there for, for creators for Scarred Lands, uh, just like Storytellers Vault does for uh, World of Darkness products, uh, yeah. uh, Chronicles of Darkness. But it's a... You are completely correct. I think uh, arts is one of the big barriers, uh, especially when it comes down to costs. So it's a putting art packs up is also a very effective way, I would argue, for uh, artists to almost make a bit of money on the side if it's art they've already created, uh, not to custom, let's say. Right. And, you know, then they can just keep reselling it and keep reselling it if it's down there a stock art, which is something they can do with Slurician Vault and DM's Guild. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with Frostlands of Fenrilic, which is this big upcoming well, campaign, it's a malleable campaign setting because the creators are, the community content creators, I should say, are going to have a very real influence over what Fenrilic looks like in yeah. the Scarred Lands. If someone creates a product and they say this town is here or this is where this kind of monster dwells or this is where the, th this is a place where I've invented this monster to be, um, then it will, it could effectively by the fans be treated as canonical because this entire Slurician vault is where Fenrilic will be found. Correct. So, right. what is your contribution to the Frostlands of Fenrilic and, and how did you get involved in it? So first of all, this is the first time I've gotten to say anything out loud to anyone that isn't involved. So I'm super stoked. <laughs> <laughs> NDAs, I completely understand them, but there are times where I'm just like, I want to talk about this. Uh, so yeah, I'm super that. excited to see Friend Relic come to light. Um, so again, Travis, uh, Travis, the the line developer, um, he really wanted to see more than Gelsbad come into the uh, the community content line like what can people use because there are for people who don't know scarred lands there are four continents um i guess you could argue five uh there's Skelsbed, which is the one that you can publish for now uh there's fenrilic which is far to the north and it's just a frozen imagine uh, antarctica it, it's it's more frozen than the arctic so it's more like antarctica on the northern side of the planet um and there's Asherak, which is kind of a desert wasteland. Never used to be, um, but got blasted during the Divine War. There's Termana, which is a huge, mostly jungle-ish area. And then there's the Dragonlands. Um, I, I've never been super sure on how big the Dragonlands are, whether or not you would consider it a separate continent. I guess you would. Yeah, well, I would have... <laughs> see, I, I don't know, but, uh, I, but I think there's still elements of Skarn that are undefined, which is why right. Fenrilic is open to, I guess, yeah. uh, innovation yeah, in most regard. But I would say... Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, but I would say that if uh, a land can house multiple dragons, it should probably be continent-sized. That is completely fair. <laughs> mm. I mean, can you imagine the ecological hell that would be raining down from some of these... Uh, 
some of these dragons can spit walls of fire, others are yeah. able to blast great planes of ice, and so on and so on. It wouldn't be very fun for, for humans to live among a bunch of rack dragons, um, or indeed any of the other um, peoples of Scarlands. But anyway, yeah, do must, continue. It wouldn't be a good vacation spot if it was too small. <laughs> no, maybe maybe for a rugged survivalist, uh, an adventure holiday, maybe. Right, right. <laughs> Bring a group of people so, together yeah. and hunt down a rock dragon. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> right. We actually did a, a, a one shot that was a bunch of level one characters trying to take down a, a rack dragon. When one died, another would jump through a portal. And we just tried <laughs> to see how many... And we never ended up finishing, but um, it would take a lot. The answer is a lot of level one characters to take down a wreck dragon. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Termana and Gelsbad are the only books that ever came out that really said, here are everything, here, here's everything you need for these. And then the other continents came out in a single book called Strangelands. And it was, I think, the last book that they put out um, when, uh, was it White Wolf or Swords and Sorcery? That timeline always gets messed up in my head, um, but they it was kind of like the last third edition book that came out, um, and they just glommed everything together. And so Fenrilic has some history, but not much. And so when we took it, we really tried to stay true to the original source material, but then you know updating it to fifth edition for rules and trying to fill out enough of the continent to make sense but leave it open for all the con the community content people to come in and use it as their playground you know if you want mm. to create monsters for it great if you want to say here are npcs that are in this town great if you want to create a new town great you know um adventures uh, that are it's a it's a fairly large continent it has a lot of space to play in and uh well uh I assume you worked pretty closely, well, in collaboration with the other authors on Frostlands of Fenric. Would that be a correct assumption? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had um, multiple ways of communication, mainly, you know, on a Slack channel. Hey, what is this idea? What does everyone think? And mm. um, communicating with, uh, especially. Um, chapters that had you know like had info that kind of crossed over each other uh, when you're talking about the history of it um a lot of that was written by sarah stewart and she really needed to know what you know the people who were doing conversions for the races and the monsters and the spells and stuff like that which was a lot of the other people including myself um she had most of the questions because <laughs> she really had the bulk <laughs> of how do these people fit into what I'm writing as opposed to uh, those of us who were converting the races that were just like, here's the race, here's their culture. And then she had to take those bits and say, um, how does that culture affect Kovu Kimru, which is like the largest main city on the, the, the continent? Or how does this monster affect the um, Tobor Gorge, which is this huge like larger than the Grand Canyon in scale uh, rift that's in the continent. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of collaboration and sharing of information for sure. So not exclusive to your own work, although by all means hype it up. What um, what inventions from the other authors and and yourself are you most excited by? So there's actually going to be a new player race. This one is not by me. Um, I think Travis really kind of had the seed for it. And then um, it was given out to another designer and they, they ran with it. And that was another piece of, there was a lot of conversation going on because they started off looking one way and then they kind of morphed into, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this, uh, the conversation and ended up turning them kind of into fraggles. If anyone remembers no. Fraggle Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember Fraggle Rock. We, I definitely don't want people thinking they are fraggles going in. They are their own species, <laughs> but the, there is a there is a certain level of inspiration taken from fraggles <laughs> for sure. Uh, so it'll be really fun to see them. Um, the conversions of the player races that are in the, the Strangelands book, uh, the Eshik, which are uh, known as winter gnomes, but they're it's a misnomer. They're not actually gnomes. They are a fey race that are just short and kind of gnome shaped, but they're made of ice, which is super exciting. Ooh. Um, 
And then there's another one that Travis pitched and I ended up converting. And it's really interesting. Uh, there was a monster from the Strangelands book uh, that is a, an ice ooze that essentially imprints on a humanoid and creates a facsimile of them that has their, their knowledge and their abilities. And the actual person is in a stasis kind of like, you know, a a cryogenic freeze or something Mm. like that. And so this ice person goes out into the world and I got tasked with turn those into a player race. So that was, that was really (laughs) weird. Uh, They were a little too overpowered to just do a straight conversion. So there was a lot of why are these a player race now? And so there's, I don't want to spoil things, but coming up, uh, you know, you, everyone will see in the book that there's, they're not quite what they were, but they are something new to the world. So that's pretty exciting. That's definitely an interesting kind of doppelganger concept. Yeah. Um, especially the idea of, yeah, keeping your victim, although I suppose if they're playable, they're not all necessarily evil, uh, but keeping the person you have cloned if you like alive uh, and preserved uh, so uh, with that uh, I don't think it'll be spoiling too much but I'm interested in these uh, creatures so if the ooze copy happens to die uh, does the original come out of stasis or are they just locked there forever yeah so with the monster side of things um, I'll be honest, it never said in the original material what happens to the original person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the player race, they have been separated from their original ooze creator. Uh, that is left open for interpretation as far as what caused that. Uh, those of us who discussed it, <laughs> mm-hmm. we have our, this is what we think happened, but we're kind of leaving it open for people to, uh, you know, for DMs to to use it as they need it um, for their campaign. And if people want to write about it, then it's open for, you know, however they need it to work in their story. So um, if you need them to wake up when those facsimiles <laughs> perish, that's great. And if you don't, that is also great. And you, you know, that it's a whole adventure seed is to go down and find these. Uh, it talks about how, these cities under the ice that are long lost ruins uh house these living corpses essentially like these these frozen people that are yeah um that their memories have been taken by these facsimiles and and gone out into the world so it's it's mostly left open for how do you in your game need it to work Oh, that is a superb story hook. I my mind is alive with thoughts now with uh, how you could use those both in a protagonist and an antagonist fashion. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you mentioned uh, Sarah Stewart, and uh, for the uh, listeners, uh, Sarah Stewart and Fran Stewart co-authored *Vigilant* uh, through *Shadows and Dreams*, which is a Scarlands novel, an excellent Scarlands novel. I did yeah, it's a, super fun. A mm-hmm. little bit of a read through of it on the Onyx Path YouTube channel, but I certainly recommend checking it out. You can find that on Drive Through RPG. Anyone listening, so please do look it up if you're after some excellent fantasy fiction. So, uh, as we depart from Scarlands, let's uh, talk a little more about the DM's Guild. So, um, you've said you've written for the Forgotten Realms, and obviously, as a company, Onyx Path, we don't work on the Forgotten Realms, but a lot of us are fans of it, and mm-hmm. so I, I'm, I'm interested to hear um, where in the Forgotten Realms have you uh, placed your adventures and your creations? Gotcha. So, for the most part, um, the Adventure League stuff is limited. They can only be published in a certain area. That mm. kind of morphed over time. But when it started, we could only publish around the Moon Sea, which is kind of a little central north area of the continent. Of, yeah, the, uh, the Zentil Keep area. So Right, right. Yeah. Um, and that's actually Zentil Keep, and that um, that area was the first place I published in uh, ah. the Necromancer of Zentil Keep. Uh, 
series was my first that that's the one that uh, appeared at origins. Um, and it actually, I don't know if, if it did so well that they chose it to be one of the first print on demand series, or if they were just like, this is one of the oldest ones. Let's give it a shot. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but you can actually get that series as one of the print on demands, which is um, very humbling to me. Having a, a print on demand book on my shelf with my name on it has been awesome. Um, but other than that, they did, they did end up allowing some groups. Um, Baldwin Games, for example, has, I want to say they have the Moonshade Isles, which is off the western coast of the main continent. Um, yeah. I can't remember the other, the Border Kingdoms, I think, something. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're, there's a real limited area that you were allowed to publish um, as part of the Adventures League. Hmm. Um, yeah and um, well feel free to tell us uh, of any anything else that you've been publishing through Wanderer's Haven publications uh, are there any products you've worked on and they don't necessarily have to be Forgotten Realms or even Scarred Lands uh, that you want people to hear about so I do have some stuff my own personal projects um I know that there are definitely people out there who weren't fans of the Avertoral split reunification and now split again, yeah. uh, as far as spell the history of the world. Yeah, the whole spell play, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But using that trope, using that concept, I uh, introduced or I'm I introduced a, a cat person race, um, and the whole concept was I have these races that came over from Avir and were trying to find their home essentially like the dragonborn came from Avir. they settled fairly quickly they have a home city now they're still trying to find their place but there i have these small groups of other uh there's like a jackal folk and a crocodile folk that all were kind of uh well not even kind of they're very inspired by like um you know egyptian myth uh mm. and these these groups don't have a place to call home. And so I've been in the process for the last couple of years in between projects, writing out this adventure, this campaign that essentially you are settling a new continent. And because if you look at the map of, of um, Toral, there are continents all over the place that don't have names that don't have uh, any history written about them. And, why not take a piece of those and say, here's what I'm going to write for that. And so that's been my ongoing project that I hope to see the light of day with here soon. Um, and then another project that's coming up uh, by Wyvern Games is the Stargate RPG, which uh, complete genre change for me, but has been super fun. Uh, I wrote an adventure for their living campaign Um I'm super excited to see the Kickstarter go live for that. Oh, I, yeah. I, I have no doubt that will do very well. Stargate's a very popular property. So, yeah, I, I hope uh, I hope you see every success with that. Um, Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, I... So, yeah, I've, I have similar feelings uh, regarding the entire Spell Plague... Oh, spell plague, sundering, anti-spell plague, whatever the situation is. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, when I, I, I still run Pathfinder now, and I still run it uh, set in the Forgotten Realms, just because it's my go-to setting. But even when I run Scarred Lands, I tend to put it on one of the continents on the well western edge of the map or the southeast of the map. There's that's sort of roughly analogous to where Australasia would be. And west of Mazdaka, I think, uh, from memory. Um, but yeah, um, but I'm a big fan of both settings. So, I, to my mind, I don't see why the two can't coexist with gods on either side of the world. Yeah. Um, and it means that player characters can be transferred from one setting to the other without much of a hassle. And if I want the hassle, I'll put Planescape in the middle of them and I'll just have to walk <laughs> through a portal. Um, <laughs> Which I'm hoping to see soon for fifth edition. Just throwing oh, that out there. 
gosh, yes, I, I really hope that we see a Planescape um, upgrade, although I'm going to be one of the people that joins the choir that says uh, I just have to hope and dream that they manage to get Tony DiTalizzi to do a cover, if nothing else, some yeah. art for uh, Planescape for 5th edition. I know he is that incredibly busy these days, but it would be it would be lovely. Um, so, as we as we draw to our close, not quite there yet, but uh, we're getting there. I am interested to find out because you mentioned World of Darkness, you mentioned Shadowrun, you mentioned Rifts. If you could create for another game, um, and it either has community content or it doesn't, but if you could, uh, I guess where would you go to next? Are there some bucket list games you would love to work on? That is a great question. Um... So I do play a lot of fantasy. That is, that tends to be just the the go-to for most of the groups that I play in. Um, I do have some players, DMs, and such that are super looking forward to doing uh, to playing the the Cyberpunk Red game that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Yes. I've heard general rumors that there might be a community content program for that, which would be amazing. Um, I wouldn't mind writing some stuff for that. I, I, I like to step outside of fantasy every so often. And there's actually a uh, an author who every so often I get in contact with to see whether or not they're interested in licensing their 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 uh, IP, their intellectual property for a, a, a role-playing game. And they've done it before. I know they didn't have the best of luck with it. Uh, and so they're, they're, they're kind of like... waiting to see how things go Uh, but brian lumley uh, is a a kind of a lovecraftian writer yeah Uh, he did the the necroscope series Um, there's yeah which is uh, along with D &D, i was reading you know necroscope when i was like 10 which it was probably a little mature for my age (laughs) but it also (laughs) really explains why i am the way i am today (laughs) yeah that's the best time to read horrors when you're a little too young for it absolutely yeah yeah that's when i got into stephen king and uh, and it does tie into what we do because there's a aspect of clan zimishi that some people like to forget but is very closely tied to uh brian lumley's necroscope with the uh interdimensional virus origins of the vampires so yeah um so yeah we, uh, it's a dream of yours to yeah. do a necroscope rpg yeah i would i would love to start it off as the necroscope rpg um build it up more than the original was i do own the original um i want to say it was a role-playing game light <laughs> mm-hmm. it had info it had it had a way to play it um, but I'd love to build that up either as its own system or using either fifth edition, you know, altered rules or something. Um, and then expand from there, you know, go out into his, his dreamlands books, uh, his psychomech series, uh, you know, just, just have some add on books that really allow you to explore his universe because it really is a fun, uh, creepy, great universe. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that would be wonderful to see. So uh, here's hoping on that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm going to cast back briefly to the Slurisian Vault uh, because it's something we want a lot of people to pay attention to. Obviously, we want people creating this content and putting their product out there. And quite frankly, there's the mercenary side of it where we use uh, community content programs like the Slurisian Vault to scout out prospective authors. Yeah. If uh, it isn't even if a product is necessarily doing well, although that certainly helps, but we can sample work through there and think, oh, this author really gets it. Let's see whether they want to work on one of the, uh, I guess, official books by the company. So it's definitely something I recommend. But I wonder, do you have anything else in mind that you would like to create for the 3C Vault, or would you keep such a project close to your chest right now? Uh, so I do have, um, working in tandem with another author, we've been writing an adventure for Fenrelic. Um 
I guess th there was a bit of information that I left out earlier, uh, even though I was already on Travis's stream um, before we, I really got involved with writing with the projects he's been publishing. Uh, so the Yugman's Guides, uh, the upcoming Fenrilic book, I did do a, a, a Races of Scarlands book um, that included some things that weren't uh, typical. Uh, they weren't the ones that it was a lot of the third or like the, the, um, the later on books from the third edition stuff. Uh, I did some conversions for, um, and in that I, I had already done the Eshik, which are the, uh, the upcoming player official player race for uh, Fenrilic. And so that was an obvious in right there, but I have a player on my Friday stream on Twitch that plays one of them. And they're just such a fun race that we decided to write an adventure that can be played as a solo person, you know, one DM, one player, or as a group um, that, you know, really focuses on how do these, uh, there's an object that the, the Eshik can get that allow them to survive in warmer conditions. Cause they, they are ice, they melt in, in the warm weather. And so that's coming out. Um, probably at the end of October with the Fenrilic guide. And then other than that, I have, depending on when this airs, it might be today uh, that it comes out on the, on the solution vault, but there is a uh, guide to Dromius, which is the Minotaur city. And like Minotaurs appeared in third edition art for uh, Scarlands, but there was very little ever said about them, if nothing oh. at all. And hmm. so, um, spoilers, uh, the Yugman's Guide that comes out, I think it's part five, will have the Minotaur player race in it. And so I really wanted to build up their their home city so that people had an idea of what are the Minotaurs for Scarred Lands because they aren't the Minotaurs of, you know, the Forgotten Realms and they aren't the Minotaurs of other other worlds. And they kind of step outside that expectation of what a Minotaur is. So yeah, I'm excited for those two products. And I, I think those if I if I remember your schedule correctly, uh, Yugman's Five will actually uh, be out by the time this goes live, so people can go check it out like right now as you're listening to this. Yeah, yeah, and um, well, is there anything? Uh, I, I know I don't think. Well, we we did interview um, Travis Leg recently, and uh, we touched briefly on Yugman's, uh, and I think we spoke in more depth with him about Yugman's the first time we interviewed him. Uh, right. This time he was speaking about Dead Man's Rust. But um, Yugman's Guide to Gelsbad is, for the sake of the listeners, a really colourful, flowful, story hooks aplenty uh, campaign setting book for one what one could call a primary campaign setting for Scarred Lands being Gelsbad. And it introduces you to all kinds of uh, settings and creatures and peoples. And most importantly, as anyone who's listened to this for a while will know, I always hold this very important, is um, plot hooks. It, there are so many different campaigns you can start or one-shot adventures using uh, Youngman's Guide to Gelspad. So please uh, do check that out if D&D or if fantasy is your thing. Uh, you'll definitely find something of use. Absolutely. Uh, so, I think we're very nearly wrapped. So, Eddie, uh, before we say goodbye uh, with a summary uh, accumulation of social media information, uh, <laughs> do you have any questions for our guest? I, I just have one. I'm I, I'm always interested to talk to to. to... Uh, people who are in the same position that you and I are in, Matthew, where you and I were fans of Vampire the Masquerade before we got that you work on Vampire the Masquerade. And it sounds like Jeremy was a huge fan of both Forgotten Realms and Scarred Lands before he got to work on them. So what has that felt like to actually write in a setting that you've been enjoying playing in for so long? Yeah, it's been amazing. Um, the first time, so when that first Necromancer of Zental Keep was accepted by Watsi, um you know, it'd been since I was a kid, uh, a dream to work at least with, if not for, uh, these companies. And so mm -hmm. it was awesome to have that first, uh, series accepted. It's been amazing to work with Kabul press. It's been amazing to work with Onyx path. Um, 
to be involved, even if it's just like, here are my, you know, um, let's see what's coming out. I think Creature or Tomo Beast 2 that comes out here soon has six monsters that I wrote, which is the smallest amount that I've written for any of these, but it's still like, I have six <laughs> monsters in here. It's so exciting. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And, and, and seeing them and, and people's feedback, um, you know, so often I, I get, you know, we played this, it was so much fun. Thank you. And just those that, so both, you know, working with these companies and that kind of feedback that people have given has been amazing. So. Absolutely. It, it could oh, be, I a lot of fun to really get a chance to make your mark on something that you've been a fan of for such a long time. Yeah. Definitely. I think, well, as Eddie said, we both felt that. Uh, and uh, it really resonated with me, you saying the, you know, the sort of feeling of pride you have when you have a book with your name on it or in it on a shelf uh, near you. It's, yeah. uh, it really is something special to be able to see your work in print. So, yeah, I'm really happy for you. And I hope you keep going from strength to strength. Uh, it sounds, and well, from what I've seen of it, uh, Frostlands of Fenridic is excellent. It's going to be a fantastic product, and I really hope people check it out. So, Jeremy, if people wanted to find you on social media, support you in any way, where would they go? All right. So let me run down the list here. If you head over to Twitter, you can find me at WH Pubs. On Facebook, it's WH Publications, or you can search for Wanderers Haven Publications. Uh, you can go to whpublications.com. Or if you're over on Twitch, go to WH Publications. And uh, we have, let's see, what are they now? <laughs> we have Wednesday and Friday streams, um, actual plays. And uh, on Fridays, I, I chat with Sarah Stewart about the lore of, of Scarred Lands and um, both the third edition stuff and how it's being updated for fifth edition, what the differences are. Um, we we do some deep nerding on there uh, <laughs> for, <laughs> for those who enjoy lore and the, uh, the way it affects the world, which for me has always been a really important part of, of the game. Um, you mm -hmm. can just run out and, and murder monsters. That's fine. Um, but those of us who do enjoy, you know, like creating characters that are, are uh, more in tune with the world at large, uh, come check it out. Excellent. And uh, final question I've got for you is if there's a product that you feel is most representative of your work, which one would it be, and uh, where would people go to find it? That's a terrible question. It, I, I know mean, you're, pick, question, you're, but... you're having to pick your favorite child at this point. Yeah, the um, others are murdered. Yeah. <laughs> the, well, well, Eddie, rather than murder them, we could just stop them from being sold. These are books, but no, no. Oh, you've I already, you made the decision. You made the decision. Stick the knife in the cover and then throw it in the fire. Right. Uh, so uh, yeah. You've got to pick I, I, one. I still have a, I still have a, a, a warm place in my heart for uh, Necromancer of Sentinel Keep. Um, as far as you know, adventures go. As far as player options, uh, probably the Scarred Races over on Destruction Vault is up amongst my favorite. Uh, that was one of the projects I, I got the chance to have a lot of art done for, and so again, going back to the looking at monsters in the books and all that, it was a super fun book to work on um, with the artists and everything. So I, I want to say those two are probably my favorites. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you very much for being on the podcast, Jeremy. Thanks We're for gonna... having me. Thank you. Well, it's been our pleasure. Um, we will now cast our way over to the outro and release Dixie from her secret treasure chest. <laughs> And we're back. What a lovely interview that was. God, I hope yeah. it was, because we haven't done yeah. it yet, as of time of recording. Oh, yeah, Dixie's still in the... Uh, did we forget something? Yeah. I left the key in the keyhole, Eddie. She can't breathe oh, no. in there. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought that a key could be airtight? Uh, well, I suppose we'd better open it in a moment. So, how do you feel? Oh, right, let's uh, get her out. I thought we went pretty well. I was pretty, I was pretty happy with it. <laughs> um, all right. Key unlocking sound effect. I'll <laughs> put it there. 
<laughs> Click here. Oh, that's a bit Resident Evil like. We need the farty horns. Mm. How are you, Eddie? How are you? How are you, Eddie? Just pushing, pushing Dixie back into the chair. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm just too used to putting Eddie in the, in the closet, I think. Um, it is true. It's yeah. True. How are you doing, Dixie? Better now, better now. Uh, now that I'm out of there, but uh, yeah, overall doing great. How was the interview? Was it fun? I think it was among the, the best. Keyhole. Uh, no, because Matthew left it plugged up. I didn't hear a thing. That's terrible. No. Mm-hmm. Well, love to look at that next time. It must have been. Um, it must have been one of the most relaxing hours you've had in in some time. And I, I made sure that that chest was like velvet lined, all very comfortable. A bit, a bit compressed. Say, really. that's a little caskety, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the skeleton of its previous occupant is still in there. So you've kind of had a bit of a Cappadocian Sabbat um, retie thing going on. Th- thank you. Well, you also had your switch, so... I mean, yeah, that's pretty much what I did. Ah, so you had <laughs> illumination. Uh, but yeah, uh, that that was the interview. I do hope you listeners enjoyed it. It was a bit different for us, but uh, yeah, uh, I think our guests probably enjoyed it too. I'm being entirely speculative. They could have walked away and said, fuck you, we're never going to appear on the show again. Uh, and if that's the case, I'm going to keep this in anyway because I think it'll be amusing. Our, West, our, our guests were great, slash, our guests were okay, slash, our guests were awful. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that fun? Oh, man, I'm sorry you guys had to do that. Ugh, they were the worst. <laughs> Edit as necessary. Edit as needed. Yeah, at some point, we do need to spend an hour or so just uh, inputting these random and yet Dixie and Eddie and Matthew-esque phrases so that we can construct an episode out of them. It would now include Farty Horns, of course, and Mrs. Eisenhower. We should get a uh, neural network to listen to all of our other episodes and then generate an episode <laughs> script. And then just randomize it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I we can see. just read the script live. They'll probably. Uh, yeah, we should get a, a transcription bot to listen to our episodes to transcribe it and have the neural net read the transcriptions without actually editing any of them. Yeah, and then we should read that live. <laughs> or at least, you know, segments from it. Yeah, uh, I mean, what could go wrong? Uh, if anything, I imagine it would have fewer tangents than our actual episodes. I, f- I feel like it would just constantly be like, what's the tangent, but... <laughs> <laughs> you, you've dated the episode, Eddie. This <laughs> <laughs> is the tangent, but you've hated the episode, the Onyx Pathcast story. Well, listeners, uh, I do hope that's excited you for the launch of Fenrelic, which is coming up very soon. Do, do check out the Monday Meeting blog, because we will be announcing it as we get closer to it. And uh, there's a whole bunch of Scarred Lands releases coming on the horizon, including Dead Man's Rust, which is very exciting, a lovely campaign that Travis Legg developed. He was interviewed by us a few episodes back, so do check that out. If Scarred Lands, Dungeons and Dragons, or fantasy adventure is the kind of thing that appeals to you, because uh, I oversaw Dead Man's Rust very loosely, uh, but had the opportunity to read the manuscripts. And as I said in the interview with Travis, it looks marvellous and I think anyone who enjoys D&D could have a lot of fun with it with all of its uh, playable options, adventure hooks and and antagonists so yes, well I think uh, Eddie's got some place to be so Eddie, if people want to find you online, where would they go? Uh, You could find me at pugsday.com and from there you'll have access to all the stuff I've worked on and all my social media outlets and what about you, Dixie? You can find me in my places online at, as Dixie Cyanide. Uh, find me on various discords. Find me playing various video games. Who knows? I'm all over the place. And they can find me on MatthewDawkins.com. And as always, check us out on TheOnyxPath.com for the aforementioned Monday Meeting Blogs, our Wednesday releases. We release something new every single Wednesday. And check out the blog on Fridays because that's when we launch every single episode of The Onyx Pathcast. With that said, many thoughts.